You're listening to What The Flux. This is Brett. And this is Justin. And it's Tuesday, the 18th of February. Good morning, Justin. And let me just tell you one thing. Diddy, the ride-sharing platform from China, is finally launching in Sydney. About time. Been in Melbourne, been in Perth and Newcastle. And Diddy claims it's 10% cheaper than Uber, which is good news for Sydney because the traffic is horrendous in Sydney. Well, three delightful stories today, Justin. Let's get into them. For our first now, picture a wrestling ring. In the blue corner, we have the big banks. And in the red corner, we have buy now, pay later companies like Afterpay. This is a hot fight. Get this. Commonwealth Bank and ANZ are pushing for changes in regulation that would allow retailers to actually add a surcharge to customers okay. who use services like Afterpay, or aka an Afterpay tax, as so, we like to call uh, it. Yes, an Afterpay tax. So what's going on here? Well, the banks are encouraging the Reserve Bank of Australia to introduce a new law. So Brett, run us through how companies like Afterpay actually make money. Well, Afterpay and the like make most of their money from a fee charged to retailers on each transaction, generally around 3 to 6%. So, when you buy your $100 Patagonia t-shirt from the Iconic and put it on Afterpay, the Iconic actually needs to pay $3 to $6 back to Afterpay. But here's the juicy part. When Afterpay signs up a retailer, that retailer, like the Iconic, is actually not allowed Mm. to pass on that $3 to $6 Afterpay tax to you, Mm. the customer. And so the retailer gets squeezed and there isn't much profit left over. What do the banks want here? They want Afterpay's no surcharge rule gone. They want to even the playing field. Now, it's great to see the big banks being benevolent, <laughs> talking about transparency of payments, yeah. etc. But Flux family, here's a little secret. Here it is. The buy now, pay later industry is actually killing the bank's credit cards. So Brett, what's the key learning here? When it comes to payment fees, generally speaking, the customer bears the brunt of the cost. This has been the case with credit card surcharges. Like those 50 cent surcharges you get charged when you spend less than $10 on a card. That always happens to me when I'm buying sushi. I know, me too. If the no surcharge rule remains in place, then Retailers will just bake in the 3 to $6 afterpay cost into the prices of the goods and services for everyone to cover it. If the no surcharge rule is removed, like the banks want, then it's likely that retailers will actually charge an extra fee only to those customers who are paying with afterpay and co, aka the afterpay the tax. afterpay tax, of course. On to our second story. Tesla, the electric car company run by Elon Musk, who also happens to be a DJ, Brett. Did you know that? I did know He's that. He's got a new song called Don't Doubt Your Vibe. It actually sounds exactly how I thought it would sound as well. <laughs> Tesla is raising more than $2 billion in a secondary stock offering. So let's just take a step back before we bore the Flux family (laughs) to death with this investment jargon. What is a secondary stock offering? I'm glad you asked. It's when a company that has already gone public on the share market wants to sell more shares to investors so that they can get more cash in their bank account. So the company creates new shares. That's right. Let's talk about Tesla. Tesla's stock has been going bananas in 2020. And the share price has risen 87% this year alone. Its market cap is now around $144 billion, worth nearly double Ford and General Motors' wow. combined value of $83 billion. This is nuts. <laughs> it's kind of like Taylor Swift and Katy Perry dominating the music scene for years. <laughs> and then here comes Lizzo. <laughs> and last week, Tesla announced it is raising over $2 billion of fresh money from investors. So what's the key learning here? This move by Tesla reminds me of selling a pair of 
secondhand sneakers. Okay, go on. When you buy a pair of sneakers, Adidas makes money from the purchase. Imagine you're waiting in line, middle of winter, Freezing. to buy the latest limited edition Yeezy sneakers. Let's call them Yeezy 650s. You get your grubby little hands on them, Brett, mm-hmm. and you're delighted. <laughs> then Kanye wins a Grammy. He gets up on stage and he says, I'm going to let you finish, but the Yeezy 650s are the best shoes I've ever made and the last <laughs> shoes I'll ever be creating. Bang. Bang. Their value goes 10,000% higher. But when you resell those sneakers that you now own, Adidas doesn't earn a thing, but you do. This is the same for public companies like Tesla. When Tesla went public, the company itself didn't make money, its owners did. But this time, with Tesla's share price super high, a secondary stock offering means the company sells more new shares and gets lots of cash to fund new projects. For our third and final story, UEFA, the governing body of European soccer, has banned English club Manchester City from top European tournaments for two seasons. And they've also fined them $33 million for major financial breaches. It's not that often that financial breaches impact the world of soccer. So what happened here? A bit of backstory. Man City is owned by Sheikh Mansour, an Emirati royal and deputy prime minister of the United Arab Emirates. A powerful man. He bought Man City for around $270 million in 2008 and has invested more than just a casual $1.7 billion in Jeez. the club since. But here's where things get a little bit tricky. Back in 2011, UEFA introduced a financial fair play rule, which actually requires clubs to earn a certain amount of their revenue from sponsorships, Mm -hmm. from TV rights, Mm -hmm. and ticket sales in order to pay such high salaries to players. Despite these rules being in place, somehow Manchester City assembled Mm. the most expensive squad of players in global soccer history. (laughs) So the big question has been, how did they do it? Well, it's pretty clear how they weren't playing by the rules, okay? Cooking the books. Think Carlton Blues 2002. Still breaks my heart. Think Parramatta Eels 2016. Think Hospitality Industry 2020. (laughs) These aren't violations relating to soccer only. It's accounting fraud. So what's the key learning here? Apart from the fine, Manchester City is banned from the Champions League for two years. This is one of their major revenue streams. They earned over $100 million from Champions League just last year. And the fact that they won't get ticket sales from matches and much less money from sponsorship. The grand total of the loss could be more than $300 million. That's more than 25% of what the club's likely revenue is going to be across those two years. Now, if you're making 25% less money, you got to make some cuts. The taxes. And that might mean selling some players. Flux family, lovely to be with you this Tuesday. Justin, same time tomorrow, would you same agree? Same time. I look forward to it. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.